Welcome to the Sex Magic Podcast, where we explore the connections between sexuality and spirituality, the various cultures and traditions of sex magic, and conversations about everything in between, led by a coven of curious modern witches. If you'd like to follow us on social media, our Instagram is Sex Magic Podcast, our website is sexmagicpodcast.com, and if you want to send us an email, sexmagicpodcast at gmail.com. We're so excited. Today we have Bella sharing with us something that she's very passionate about and something that both Phoenix and I aren't as familiar with. Today our theme is sexual sovereignty. That's me. Hi, I'm Bella. (laughs) Sexual sovereignty, that's my jam. Sexual sovereignty and body literacy is what I teach. I'm a coach and wellness guide. I don't really love the term coach because it like reminds me of being in high school and they're like, come on, one more lap. <laughs> dying. But um, I do like guide because I can – I hold space and I bear witness to people's transformations and journeys. And I support them through that and help them with reflections and exercises and advice and support. So that's my work. I love your work. (laughs) I am so grateful that you have this passion. And I think it is just one of the most pure things that I've witnessed. And it's really is like a purpose. Um, So if you want to explain what sexual sovereignty is, I'm not really familiar with the term. I don't know if I made it up. I probably didn't. But maybe. (laughs) Maybe I did. Like, you know, when you say something a lot and then you're not really sure where I came from anymore. Um, yeah, I would love to. So it ties into body literacy because I feel that we need that first before we can establish sexual sovereignty, which I also sometimes refer to as sensual sovereignty. Um, for me, those are pretty interchangeable terms. So please be patient with me and kind if I switch back and forth, listeners. Um, so, okay, body literacy is super important. It's something that, and I work with a female population, I should preface that. So I work with the female population and I truly believe that body literacy is something that has been denied to us and continues to be denied to us. I think it is no accident that the sex education system in schools is terrible um, on a very basic anatomy level, let alone teaching pleasure and consent to children. It's horrible. I regularly do polls and I ask people about their sex education and it's it's usually non-existent or it's terrible. So first we need to understand the way our bodies work and you can be, you can get as involved as I do in that in the musculature and the skeletal system of the pelvic bowl, but you can also, I'm fine with just teaching clients the difference between their urethra and their clitoral vaginal opening is what I like to call the opening of the vaginal canal because it is all pleasure anatomy. So those two things are something that often clients don't know the difference between. And I'm constantly surprised, I guess less so now, but in the beginning I was very surprised how few clients didn't understand that their urine and their vaginal opening were different areas, Mm. the urethra. Um, So first we have to understand body literacy and then that explores through to pleasure mapping our bodies. So learning, and I'm really curious to see what you guys um, will respond to about this, but a lot of people have never touched themselves just for exploration. Mm. Most even women who masturbate often do it in a goal-oriented way. 
for masturbating to come. And one of the first things I talk through with clients is prioritizing your pleasure every day. And yes, that's daily masturbation. And they'll say eight times out of 10, they're like, I don't have time for that. I'm like, okay, maybe you don't have time to orgasm, but can you put aside five minutes to masturbate? You don't have to come. It's five dedicated minutes of your pleasure and celebrating your body and being in it. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of the beginning of sexual sovereignty. And then I feel the more we explore and play with and embrace our sexuality, the better. And it's something that we can really claim and own on our own before another person's involved. So I truly, truly, truly believe that this process should start around the ages of between four and eight, depending on when children are naturally curious about their bodies. Um, And it carries on through so that in my vision of a perfect world, all people would have a really clear idea of their sexuality, not saying that that's not open to continual exploration throughout our lives, but a pretty clear idea of their sexuality and really owning that and taking sovereignty in that before they engage with a partner. Mm, Wow, that is so powerful. (laughs) I'm curious, have either of you ever explored your body with a non-goal-oriented way? Mm, I am pretty guilty of uh, doing (laughs) goal-oriented masturbation. (laughs) That's what I'm discovering everybody is. Um, I have definitely done rituals Mm -hmm. for self-love in which I've touched each and every part of my body, though it wasn't, I don't know if it was in the same way that you're describing. Um, I feel like it's like a different category almost, Mm. um, but now I'm really curious about what my experience would be doing that. I want to Pleasure mapping. It's beautiful. Mm. I've had a few occurrences where I was just like trying to feel whether or not, I don't know how you guys, um, do your pubic hair situation but regardless of whether I've like waxed or shaved or whatever like I always had this method of like squatting at the end of my showers and sort of like doing one I always like rinse in the shower with like you know legs ups and everything like that but I always liked this weird little like faucet rinse and so that was always the Mm. time I had that was it wasn't so much about like masturbation in a sexual way but I would always like make sure So I felt like it was more of like a self-care and hygiene thing Mm. as well as an exploring my body thing. Like comprehensive pleasure that isn't goal-oriented. Yes. But then also I feel like I was a woman who had a difficult time having orgasm in my very early 20s. Mm. And I went through this whole, whole, whole complicated journey and part of improving that was doing non-goal-oriented exploring of my body just to better understand where things were on me mm-hmm. and just kind of get to know myself. And so sometimes it wasn't so much like just going with a feeling and then writing that and going, oh, that's great. I'm just going to stick with that. It was more, okay, so that's like that. Mm-hmm. This is like that. And like just kind of <laughs> going like A-B and not necessarily being on a program that was designed to get me to a destination so much as to explore the map. 
I love that. That's so intuitive mm-hmm. and so beautiful. And I mean, I even encourage clients to have a notepad and pen with them while they're exploring, like <laughs> take notes. The other thing that's interesting is our pleasure often changes throughout the month if we're female bodied. We often desire different types of touches, different types of connections with partners based on where we're at in our cycles. That's another reason why pleasure mapping with note taking and journaling can be really beautiful. You can start noticing trends. Mm. That's beautiful. Um, kind of similar in in this topic. I, I recently was at a spanking convention um, and we have this one uh, one event where all of the um, the bottoms or submissives will have like pleasure time and mm. no one's allowed to do any like hard implement play or any spanking and it's all just about serving the submissive. And I had someone brush my hair oh. for like an hour and it was one of the most sensual things I've ever experienced in my life. And I was just thinking like, wow, I never give that to myself. And that's mm. something that I could do. And I mean, it was, I don't think it was erotic in the traditional sense, but it was just sensual. such a sensual experience. That's one for of sure. my favorite. Cause like all the nerve endings in your scalp, I absolutely love having my hair played with. Like you can totally steal my heart. That. <laughs> so, funny you bring that up. It's a squishy spot for me. <laughs> So how does one begin the journey of um, becoming sovereign with their sexuality? Like what is the process that you would maybe give to a client who's never done anything like this before? So one of the first things I do is try to only implement one change at a time. I like to set people up for success and support them through that, not like, okay, here's everything that you could change. So the first session I spend with a client normally goes for 90 minutes because I like to have an to be honest, it normally goes over. But I like to have that good, relaxed period where I can really hold space and like witness what is happening right now. And I will ask questions along the lines of what's going well, what's resonating with you, what's not going well, where do you want to improve, and kind of start mapping out for me an idea of my client's sexuality. And so it's very different based on each client. It's whether or not they are focusing on their relationship with themselves, their relationship with a partner. A lot of people come to me with something very specific they're working on. And particularly as I specialize in BDSM, it's pretty common that someone comes for a pretty specific reason. I really wish people would seek help, whether it's through me or someone similar, a little bit more preemptively rather than trying to solve a problem if people would take ownership around their bodies and their sexualities and really try to explore and embrace that with support and guidance until it's an issue. Mm -hmm. And I often find an example of this is when you tell someone perhaps that you're going to couples counseling and they'll say, oh, what's wrong? What's going on? You know, they get all excited about that. It's like maybe you're just working on communication styles so that you can have more harmony before you get to a breaking point. So that's really what I try to work on with my clients. I try to figure out what are some practices that are going to be sustainable but really resonate with them to help improve their sex life with themselves. And I love what y'all are saying about your personal journeys of sexual exploration with yourself. And one of the things I've really noticed over the years of working with clients is Sometimes the clients that have the most beautiful sex lives with their partners 
have these really, um, I don't want to say sad, but like boring relationships to themselves in their sex life. And I'll say like, where are you romancing yourself? Where are you prioritizing yourself? And they'll, I'll say, describe your usual sexual routine with yourself to me. And they'll be like, well, whenever I have time, I go into my room and I get my vibrator and I watch porn and then I come and then I'm done. And I'm like, yeah, I was like, uh oh, oh my god, <laughs> it's like Call nine, nine. I want to say nine times out of ten, but it's like pretty much ten times out of ten. And I'm like, okay, cool. Can you describe to me a sexual encounter you'd have with another person? And they're always worlds apart. They're yep. always worlds yep. apart. <laughs> and I wonder. I only treat women at the moment, so I do wonder if it would be different among men. I don't know if they prioritize themselves differently, but I have noticed that women deprioritize themselves at the no, I'm sorry. Women prioritize themselves at the expense. Nah. Women prioritize others in their life at the expense of themselves. It deprioritizes themselves. Mm-hmm. So one of the first super simple steps that I'll integrate is developing a more loving and comprehensive sexual relationship with yourself. And whenever I say that, people are always like, oh, so like what candles and like rose petals? Like, sure, if you want that. But for example, like some people like really light touches in foreplay mm. and they like to really like feel that build and like you want to get wet Stop. before no, like, <laughs> oh, you're speaking my language right now oh so okay like that resonates with you and like you want to get really like built up and excited before your partner touches your genitals but then you don't do that with yourself you go straight to your genitals uh, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and the wow. more you prioritize yourself the more you lean into your sexuality the more you embrace it I've never had a single client that hasn't seen ripple effect changes in the rest of their life wow they get like promotions or they get a better boyfriend or girlfriend or partner it's incredible and it's saying like I'm here this is my body I'm taking up space this is how I like to be touched. This is how I like to be spoken to. This is how you're going to respect me. This is how we're going to communicate. This is our relationship. And I'm not talking romantically, though that is true. But even in like the workplace, like you just resonate this really mm. different, juicy, abundant oh mm. energy and like people just want to be around you and like do things for you. But it really, really comes from within and acknowledging And I do want to say, because I know, I don't know a single woman that's not hot on herself. If you're listening to this and you're like, oh shit, that's me. (laughs) That's okay. You're fine exactly where you are right now. You're perfect exactly where you are. And if you want to do something different, amazing. Today's the day. Do something different today. Do one thing different today that prioritizes you. And if that's taking a bath, great. That's making yourself a healthy meal when you wanted to like go get takeout, great. And if that is prioritizing masturbation and having that connection with yourself instead of just turning your vibrator on and your brain and your heart off, Mm. even better. Wow. This is really inspiring, Bella. (laughs) I'm so glad we're having this conversation. I am kind of speechless right now. And I also like, I kind of feel like I wish my younger self had heard that. So there's something that you said that I want to go back to. Um, You said that a lot of the times women will come to you with the problem and they won't come to you before kind of like a preventative measure almost. And I kind of want to point out that that's really how our medical industry and the health Mm -hmm. industry is set up in our whole culture. 
um, you know, you don't really go to the doctor until you have like a big issue. Mm-hmm. And even if you have little like symptoms, you kind of will brush it off. I'm like, oh, no, no, it's nothing too intense. You know, I'll wait until like I get pneumonia or whatever. Um, and I, I think it's so important to, you know, change our rhythms and be more conscious of all of the different states that we are at. And I just think this is so inspiring. Mm-hmm. I I haven't really um, practiced my self-pleasure in this way. So. It's really – I appreciate that. And it's really like self-pleasure as a sexual relationship with self. I like that term, you know, like a sexual relationship with yourself. And it can be romantic too. I think that's quite beautiful. But it's true what you're saying about the medical system. That's how it is. And one of the things that I look at in my clients, I do look at like general health and well-being. But to me, there are two vital signs in a human body, particularly a female body, that are dismissed by the medical community as a sign of vitality. And it's your sex life and your menstrual cycle. How is the health of your menstrual cycle? How is the health of your sex life? And doctors don't talk about that. They don't ask you questions. You can bring up your sex life and they'll shut you down. I recently had a client tell me that she, in her younger years, asked her doctor about anal sex. Like it's before the internet. And she like wanted to know if it was safe. And like he handed her a pamphlet about how dangerous it was and like essentially told her she was going to hell. What? Like this Wait, is not. Those pamphlets exist. I was like, I want to see this pamphlet. <laughs> I know. I'm like, my mind is blown right now. And I'm actually going to challenge myself. I'm seeing my OBGYN <gasps> next month and I want to, I have her do blood work for me. And I want to ask her about anal sex. I'm going to challenge myself to step outside of my comfort zone because I just want to know what she'll say. Mm. And I am like a very empowered person that loves to speak up for myself. I'm also super privileged. I'm a white cisgender woman. So it's very easy for me to speak up for myself. And I live in a society that supports that. And I want to know when my clients ask questions like that of their medical providers, what do they say? Mm, I'm very, please get back to us on that because I'm very curious. Um, (laughs) But I would, I feel like we should each pick a question. Yeah, let's do it. Because I can definitely think of some other things. And I I do have an annual coming Mm. coming up. I need to go to Planned Parenthood to get my pap smear so I can ask some questions. Yeah, we should. <laughs> speaking, of, boundaries. <laughs> speaking of medical health for women, another thing women aren't aware of is that midwives provide well women care. Most people see an OBGYN for all of their well women care. Midwives provide it too. Just wanted to shout out midwives because I love them. Um, the other thing is that there are so many different things that you can do to optimize your safety emotionally and physically as well as your health and well-being emotionally and physically at OBGYN appointments. Um, I wrote an article about it for Think, so we can put a link in the show notes. But it's really important to feel like, and this is the main portion of my work, honestly, is empowering women to feel like they are the highest authority on their body. Everybody else works for them. Like I I'm getting goosebumps and angry when I say this because it really makes me angry the way doctors act like they are the highest authority on a woman's body and they are not. Even if your doctor is a woman, even if she's amazing, you love her, you are the highest authority of your body. And that's what I spend all my days empowering women to feel. I want women to look to themselves for wisdom, for guidance, for insight. I'm 
I try to work myself out of a job is essentially what I'm doing. I want to teach them to feel like they can turn to themselves before they need to turn to others. And then those secondary and tertiary people are support systems for them. Like my OBGYN is my support system. She runs blood work for me. She does ultrasounds that I can't do. And that's it. I see her as a support system to me. Mm. Yeah, you're the one living in your body. No one else yeah. is. <laughs> and like the experience I've had with OBGYNs is devastating to mm. say the least. Oh. And, I, and I've had it good compared to other people. Like I was misdiagnosed with PCOS. Oh, oh, no. I was like completely symptomatic of it, but not enough to qualify, I guess. But she essentially just told me that my ovaries were covered in cysts and then told me to get on birth control, stay on birth control and walked out of the room. Whoa. And like, as I said, I am a really educated woman. I'm very confident speaking out for myself. And I felt like a little kid. Like I was like, what? Where's That's my mom? Terrible. I'm so sorry that happened to you, Bella. Thank you. I mean, honestly, it turned out to be wonderful because I managed to heal all of my cysts naturally and I'm cyst free for over a year. (laughs) But it really like made me realize like what is the experience of most women? Because I've always been very like outspoken Mm. and I haven't had a lot of trouble with medical providers. I'm also Australian Canadian. I grew up in Australia and our healthcare system is very different than it is here. Mm. So experiencing the system here even, you know, when it's felt negative has been hugely beneficial and mainly in supporting others, but wow, God, it's different. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I go to Planned Parenthood for most of my, um, female healthcare stuff. And Planned Parenthood's great. I have a couple of bones to pick with them, but I mean, Mm -hmm. they're pretty great. Even Planned Parenthood refuses to speak on pleasure in their sex education classes, but that's a whole separate podcast break down the system and rebuild it (laughs) I mean my main question to everybody is why is society so scared of female pleasure Mm. you know they have tried to stops when the guy gets off right right Mm. sex is over then Mm. I mean they've been burning us at the stake for years and it's just in different ways now Mm. now we don't have access to a lot of people don't have access to basic necessities like safe abortions and medical care without insurance and without all of that level of body literacy it's really really hard to have sexual sovereignty it's hard to embrace your sexuality when you're stressed about money and you can't afford to go to the doctor and you're not really sure what your anatomy even is and how it even works and you've never been told before that you can say I'm not in the mood you know, Mm. to your partner if they want sex. Like there's really basic re-education that a lot of, and I'm talking adult women, don't have access to. And so I I try to do everything I can every day to change that. It's so inspiring. (laughs) (laughs) So I would love your opinion, Bella, and your guidance on how we might be able to integrate our spirituality and our sex magic practices into body literacy and sexual sovereignty. Um, I already have like so many like bubbling ideas on like different mm-hmm. rituals that might be exciting for this. Um, and I would love, uh, I would love your guidance. Yeah, I love that question. Um, so pretty much any sex magic is a beautiful integration to sexual sovereignty. 
But I will say one of the most important things to do first is the unlearning of whatever, if you have like negative spiritual ideas around sex, particularly I have clients that were raised um, in the Christian faith and sexuality and um, spirituality are really opposing ideas that they can't bring together. So writing down a list of all of the beliefs you have around sexuality, this is something I love to do with my clients, all of your beliefs around sexuality, it might be that, you know, good girls don't do this, you know, this is what bad girls do, or whatever it is, I've heard the gamut of them, writing them down, or even I don't come easily, or I can only come in one position, whatever it is that you believe about your sexuality, and then burn it, (laughs) burn it up. Burn it in fire. Burn it in fire. <laughs> fire magic is so profound. And you can do – there's a couple of different things you can do with the ashes that I find to be really beautiful, but my favorite is returning them to the earth. Mm-hmm. If you want to get even deeper, this is my uh, – I didn't really share this with every client because it's a little darker, but I love to collect my menstrual blood and then mix the ashes with it and return that to the earth as kind of – my physical offering of release as well as decomposition Mm -hmm. back into the earth. I'm on my moon, so I'm definitely going to need to try that, Bella. That's so beautiful. Please report back. Yeah. I love the idea because we already discussed like burning and how much I like feel connected to fire in a previous episode, but I definitely feel like combining that with, menstrual blood and like putting it in the earth it's already kind of connecting to some other rituals I've done Mm. but even more like profound timing so thank you for sharing that my pleasure that's really potent alchemy as well because your menstrual blood your menstrual blood is uh, your connection to water the element of water and fire together is you know just pure alchemy I love that I never even thought of it that way. And you're returning it to the earth, the mm. earth, and you're outdoors, so you got a little air in there. Yeah. Where's that breeze, though? I'm like, you could, you could blow. Oh, I like this. We're just like crafting a new spell together. Mm-hmm. You could, once you've buried it in the earth, kind of blow your breath onto the earth with like whatever you, new thing you're excited to embrace. Intention, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Also, another thing you could do. So your heart uh, chakra, uh, the element for the heart is air. Mm. So you can actually hum or vocalize and uh, the expression of air throughout your own body and creating like a resonant sound Mm -hmm. while you're doing that would also be really beautiful. I love that. (laughs) We just made a ritual. (laughs) (laughs) The other um, ritual I wanted to share with you guys that I love to suggest to my clients is researching some different goddesses and seeing what's really calling to you based on It can be based on the time of year, like we were speaking in a previous podcast about Persephone. Um, But my personal favorite is Kalima. (laughs) Anyway, researching who's really resonating with you and then printing out a photo of her and placing her on your chest facing you. So when you look at her, she's facing you. Her feet are pointing towards your face. And then having masturbation time while making direct eye contact with the goddess and really invoking all that you're ready for. And if you can and do want to orgasm, that's the most potent time to allow all that manifestation to explode. (laughs) Powerful. 
so powerful. I am so excited to practice some of these techniques on my own. Yeah. Oh, it's just so beautiful to like deepen a relationship with yourself. And I think what you said before that, like when you do that, it ripples out to mm-hmm. all of your other relationships and dynamics and work and community and all of that stuff. And I, I truly believe that the more empowered you are, then the more those will be empowered around you. And it just, it really is a a ripple effect. So absolutely. And I've been pretty intentional in this conversation of not referring to a sexual relationship with a partner. Um, we can address that in a different podcast, but I think it's really important first to have that relationship with yourself. And like we spoke about earlier, it's really common for people. And again, my population is women, but women in particular do not prioritize a sexual romantic relationship with themselves in the way they will with others. So yes, I definitely think these practices improve your sex life with others, but I think first that needs to come from within. Mm. Thank you so much, My pleasure. So wise. (laughs) My pleasure is your pleasure is everybody's pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) I need that on a shirt. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us for sexual sovereignty and body literacy with Bella. Thank you. Go forth and masturbate. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for the Sex Magic Podcast. You can find us at sexmagicpodcast.com, on Instagram at sexmagicpodcast, or send us an email or a recorded audio clip if you'd like us to answer your question live at sexmagicpodcast at gmail.com.